0: welcome to the battleground wisconsin my name is matt brusky and i'm the deputy director here at citizen action of wisconsin and welcome to another beautiful oh it's just beautiful wisconsin weather it's the first day of the state fair i'll say it thursday august 3rd folks if you never been to the state fair go check it out it is a piece of wisconsin culture worth checking out but i gotta introduce our panel means Priscilla Board is with us. Priscilla is the movement politics director here at Citizen Action Wisconsin. Priscilla, great to see you.
1: Morning. Happy State Fair Day. Happy summer, uh, week of summer temperatures, all that good stuff.
0: Yeah, Priscilla, you're a classic. You love like like americano culture the state fair strikes me as something you might enjoy visiting i'm just guessing is that am i on or off
1: i have not been uh to the state fair in a good number of years but the food that they keep showing is uh (laughs) very intriguing so this might be the year i go back
0: well, I can tell you my wife has said we have to go this year. We haven't gone in ages. Last time we took our kids and it's a totally different experience sans children. So I think we're going to do that. But also, folks, just check it out, right? It's uh, especially if you're not from the Milwaukee area to come down, see the fair and also check out a number of other Milwaukee places. If you are coming in town for the state fair, I'm going to give you a tip. Go check out the newly redesigned Black Holocaust Museum. It is worth your time uh uh and it is on the north side of milwaukee just off of uh what it's off of north ave right or north ave yes correct north ave just off of mlk saw it about six months ago it's excellent but if you come in town for the state fair check that out hey we still have another panelist to introduce his name's robert craig he's the executive director here at citizen action robert how you doing and when's the last time you went to the state fair
2: it's been a while um i much prefer the the outdoor maddie's of wisconsin to the big crowds and the long lines for overpriced unhealthy food but I oh um, any uh only i was not going to volunteer that but if asked but i do not begrudge anyone who enjoys the state fair i'm glad so many people do
0: robert i will just suggest I can tell you I've been to the fair lately. There is actually a great increase of kinds of foods, quality, healthy. I would suggest the fair may be calling you and your other friends who are on the healthier side of the food chain (laughs) to come on back and visit the fair. But folks, we are not here to pitch the fair. I am. Uh, We are here to talk politics. And it has been an incredible, let's say it, It's, it's a historic week. We just need to put that out there. You know, sometimes you need to objectively step back and say, wow, big effing week and uh, both in state and federally. And we're going to dive into both of those, obviously nationally, and we're going to start talking about this. It's the Trump indictment, and I'm going to want to get the panel's comments on this. In particular, I would like both of you to comment on the Wisconsin, the unique Wisconsin flavor. Of these indictments, in particular, the role of the fake electors, which we have talked about a lot, and they are central and they're really central to the strategy. And then, of course, here in Wisconsin, we were a part of that. So I want to get your thoughts. But also, folks, right, Janet Protoseowitz, and we all now know how to pronounce the justice's name was sworn in this week. And it is a historic shift. We have talked about the Supreme Court in Wisconsin before. Robert has told us, hey, folks. It wasn't really a progressive or any kind of real liberal court the last time. It was just not an authoritarian or democratic court. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about what does that mean? What could this court be? And of course, the huge gerrymandering case was immediately introduced, which we had predicted there will be a whole bunch of other cases. We'll talk more about that. Folks, Priscilla, Robert, let's talk about the Trump indictment. Priscilla, we've gone on. We've I think we've even named all the fake electors. We've talked about things like one of the folks who sits on the Wisconsin election commissions, Robert Spindell being a fake elector. Priscilla, your thoughts on the indictment this week and in particular, Wisconsin's unique role within this historic, first of its kind indictment.
1: Yeah, uh, to have a big indictment, uh, to have people from Wisconsin involved, like it just shows that these things are are serious things like a serious thing they tried to they tried to do a really serious thing uh it was not small like they all kind of act like it was that trump acts like it was oh just a little thing of trying to overturn an election uh and not just any election but a presidential where the entire country votes not just a like school board election uh so you know it, it gives me Uh, a little bit of hope that like okay maybe something is actually gonna come from this and people are gonna see like yeah you can't just decide for somebody where their vote is gonna count and where it doesn't count because if we're gonna you know restore any kind of faith in the electoral system in voting system we gotta show that people are being held accountable and you know it starts in wisconsin as all eyes are on wisconsin for 2024 Um, (laughs) this is this is a big thing so i'm 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 kind of glad we have this little connection that we can tell people like nope your vote's gonna count they they've all they've all been named uh in this in indictment uh they they will have charges they're gonna be held accountable
0: Robert, your thoughts
2: well unlike our friends on the right who get their information other than the information i've read the indictment and i've read the uh, that the the legal uh case that law forward submitted uh this week okay. so just say on the fake electors uh and 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 uh, the 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 prosecution of trump for trying to defraud the country and uh prevent uh, the peaceful democratic transition for uh, power the first time a, That has happened, and a president has attempted to do that in the entire history of the country. It's amazing how long a winning streak we had, but it shows how much democracy is threatened. Matt's right that we were calling out here on Battleground Wisconsin the role of the fake electors far earlier than most. It was mostly all focused on, understandably, the very sensational violence at the Capitol. Uh, It's important to understand, obviously, Wisconsin's at the center of this conspiracy, and this is the first Hint of accountability, because Wisconsin is central to this in a number of ways. We don't know if state officials are, are going to uphold the idea that that the law applies to everyone or not, i.e. Attorney General Call, uh, or whether they, uh, you know, Justice Department is now bladely good to it for him. Uh, obviously, the wheels of justice are, are overly slow, and that's one of the reasons our democracy is on the brink. Uh, it shouldn't have taken this long. It was a very powerful indictment, and it recasts the violence on January 6th as the last gasp of a developed conspiracy. And what's scary about it is how audacious and intricate it was and how how much it adapted to find new ways. And we have to be aware of this is what Trump is capable of. And maybe the uh, zinger of it is um, him telling Mike Pence, uh, you're too honest. Because this may come down in his defense to him claiming to be so deluded that he believed it all to try to get out of uh, out of prosecution and a very uh, ridiculous free speech uh, claim which would allow free speech to, you know, extort you offer a bribe to you to be free speech and therefore not conduct, Uh, because this was about conduct and, and preventing the peaceful transfer of power in order to insert an unelected president, a king, into office. Now, Wisconsin Central, the other way is is that the fake electors, other than the players, uh, came from a Wisconsin memo by lawyers working for Trump that were working on Wisconsin, probably this Kenneth Cheeseborough is what- what, Might
0: uh, be one of the silent six.
2: Yes, one of the uh, unindicted co conspirators. The reason they're unindicted is not because they won't be, but because they want a clean case that gets Trump on trial because of the timeline here. They these other folks and folks beneath them, including Wisconsin, are all still subject to prosecution, particularly if Trump is convicted. And so the Wisconsin memo originally was just an attempt to. By time to win legal cases. But once those were all thrown out, every single one, it became a strategy to simply put them in anyway through Pence. And yep. it became a broader fake electors memo based on the Wisconsin legal memo. So there's a lot here, but it's ongoing. I think we need okay. to understand if we look at Trump, his attempt to get elected to pardon himself or, or, or disrupt the process, that this is an ongoing conspiracy that began at before probably the 2020 election and is ongoing and is a continuing threat
0: well yes it's absolutely a continuing threat because the guy is running for office and everybody is clearly aware that if he becomes president a lot of this just it's going to go away right like he can and has the ability to make it go away and by the way if he wins an election he'll essentially have a mandate to do whatever he wants, which is terrifying. Right. But it does. I mean, I think what's useful about this. I agree, Robert. I think the stuff came this it's, this has taken too long and it's amazing how much of this stuff is really just the house investigation. And, and it's amazing how much the house really led in some of the stuff and turned so much of this over, uh, uh, to, 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 to these attorneys, right. To, to the feds. Anyways. I don't want to dive too deep into the weeds of this because obviously there are a lot of weeds, um, but we're going to continue to track this. We're going to continue to particularly track the Wisconsin pieces and what Robert, you alluded to it. Not really. You mentioned his name, Josh call, right? Like department of justice, right? What are the state, avenues here especially now that it's very clear that the feds are moving forward the role of the fake electors is clear um and there's no reason why like we can't come at this for multiple ways like they're doing in michigan folks you're listening to the battleground wisconsin we're citizen action you can find us at citizenactionwi.org you can also find us on facebook instagram and twitter Battleground Wisconsin is supported by the good folks at WEAC Region 2, protecting the rights of education employees and promoting public education in the central Wisconsin area. Learn more at WEAC.org, W-E-A-C dot Welcome back to the Battleground Wisconsin. We're Citizen Action and Priscilla, I'm going to turn to you because... We're going to change topics. We're going to stay at the federal level, something that happened in late July. And I think it's, and it's super important. We want to, we want to talk about this. um, And it has to do with President Biden signing an executive order to implement military justice reforms. And these are, these are the kind of technical things that may, it's easy to slip under the media stream, but they're very significant. Priscilla, enlighten our listeners as to essentially what the details, what's the key parts of this executive order and why is this so critically important?
1: Yeah, uh, so it was just last week that we saw Biden order uh, a change to the Uniform Code of Military Justice, as it's it's called, uh, which basically implements changes that were passed by Congress in 2022 as part of the National Defense uh, Authorization Act. And all of that uh, big wording uh, is just to say that there's actually going to be some military sexual trauma justice now. Um, there's going to be fully independent special trial councils that are not connected to chain of commands and real protections uh, for victims. This has been a fight that's been going on for for decades now. It comes two years after the 300-page independent report on sexual assault in the military, uh, three years after the Fort Hood report, three years after Army Specialist Vanessa Guillen was murdered at Fort Hood by another soldier, two years after uh, we know about Corporal ateu uh, who was a survivor of sexual assault and ignored by her chain of command and eventually caused her to mentally break it. be imprisoned by Marine Corps leadership. So this is a massive, massive overhaul. Um, It's been a long fight for the change through the military, uh, Me Too military movement um, by countless veterans and survivors and their communities and civilians um, who were told multiple times by Congress, by uh, federal folks that this wasn't going to happen that they just needed to you know kind of it's just the way the way it is uh and then Trump's time in office didn't make things any better for for military sexual trauma survivors uh by any means uh it really gave way to more internal officials kind of being allowed to ignore the words and the experiences of trauma survivors. Um, So it's a big overhaul. People are calling it the biggest military justice code overhaul in the last 50 years. Um, Of course, there's still work to be done uh, because Fort Hood is still, you know, operating. And that's a big, big next step of fighting is to shut down Fort Hood. Uh, But it, it highlights that yeah we're all gonna to be told that don't bother to fight for these things. they're not gonna happen, all of that. uh but it did, and it it shouldn't have and I definitely want to give a moment to the survivors who relived all of their trauma over the last ten years in testifying in front of Congress in front of multiple people to get uh these these things done
0: well, thank you for for that update and Robert. What's interesting, too, about this, and I want to give you opportunity for comment is and why this also fits in is there's so many different forms of justice in this (laughs) and this quote democracy. Right. And this further highlights. Right. There's a separate form of military justice that is uh, not the same necessarily as what what everyone else gets. Robert, your thoughts on this uh, big news on this executive order.
2: Yeah, and uh, Priscilla laid it out very well, so I won't get into the details other than to give a call out to Senator Kirsten Gillibrand as the the, the leader of, of the legislative effort, uh, Senator from New York. Uh, but just to say that um, my, one of my best friends from college, University of Pittsburgh, became a, a JAG lawyer, naval defense lawyer, now actually is a prosecuting lawyer for the Pentagon, so uh, there is a lot to like about the military justice system during the ridiculous don't ask, ask don't tell period. The, the JAG lawyers doing a great job of, of got, preventing these like persecutions and witch hunts uh, for LGBT uh, plus people. And uh, he's told me also that there's great difficulty with these cases because of the chain of command that Priscilla laid out. And I get it, in the military, the chain of command is critical. You need discipline to fight. And so I kind of get why commanders might be reluctant to give away authority, but in this case, with the abuses and the fact we're talking about crimes, I think the uh, conceding to to that uh, uh, broadly can't be allowed anymore in the modern period, particularly after the great awakening of the Me Too movement, and this is the military version so I think that uh, this is a tremendous advance, and commanders should not be able to decide whether such crimes and such are being committed or not. And that's going to make the military an even more hospitable place for women. Remember, in the early '90s, there was all this Newt Gingrich and the Republicans saying we can't have women in the military; it'll destroy the military. It's been the opposite, but it's time for women to have their rights in the military when it comes to any abuse or or or, or assault committed against them. And it's time for Senator Tommy Tupperville, one of the worst uh, MAGA people in the set, to stop blocking every major military appointment to try to make sure that women who have no choice where they're stationed if they're in the military have no right to go get an abortion in a state that gives them their constitutional rights when they're stationed in the Alabamas of the world.
0: Priscilla, you get the final word before we move on.
1: Yeah, Um I uh it, it's if you've listened to me on this podcast for a couple of months you know I rarely praise Biden for anything uh but I do like I appreciate that he did listen there's still a lot more listening that needs to happen uh but again this has been something that's been happening for for decades um and I also just want to mention that um I know a lot of veterans often get stereotyped as being Uh, conservatives only, but there are so many progressive veterans out there. Uh, So if you happen to be a progressive veteran listening to this podcast, or you want to be in community with progressive veterans, please come find a home with us at Citizen Action. Uh, We want you to be, we want to be able to fight uh, with you. We want to be able to help Uh, continue to help pass these these things Uh, we have so much more work to do uh, but they told us that it couldn't get done before and it did Uh, so don't take uh, the haters word for it Uh, but this was a big a big thing so I appreciate can't I can't thank enough all the survivors who put all their trauma back out on the line to get this done
0: absolutely with that folks we are going to switch gears we are really thrilled to have our special guest and that is representative Christina Shelton joins us representative awesome to have you
3: thanks for having me good to see
0: you all oh it's great to see you we have so much to talk about you are super busy uh we want to talk about a couple of things with you number 1 you are reintroducing badger care public option which we think is you know the most important Piece of healthcare legislation out there, and number two, y'all just got back from the Alec convention, and we want to talk about those intersections. Uh, and I know you, since I read, saw you were at the, some healthcare convening, so we want to hear where the where these intersections meet. But first of all, tell us more about the reintroduction of the BadgerCare public option bill.
3: Well, there's a lot to unpack, Matt. Let me see where I want to start. Where I want to start this morning. It's. I feel like there's so much going on as we're preparing for the fall session here in the state legislature. But uh, yeah, we are hard at work putting together our legislative package for uh, Assembly Democrats, Senate Democrats, just gearing up, continue to fight. Where, you know what we're what we do is we sort of go through the budget process and then what is removed from Republicans and through JFC through that process, um, and then was ultimately passed. We look at what uh, we want to continue to advance through the legislative. Uh, action and um, absolutely the Badger Care public option is going to continue to be a cornerstone a piece of policy for, for us um, and, and for Democrats. Um, and I think broadly, just continuing to talk about the importance of health care, right? Medicaid expansion, um, infant and maternal health, um, uh, mental health. I mean, all of this stuff is connected. And what we're doing is not working. We have a significant number of folks who are uninsured. They're falling through the cracks. People who do have health care insurance, insurance are foregoing care, right? Preventative care, testing, um, and much needed treatment because of the cost. So, um, you know, that's why I love this Badger Care Public Option Bill. It's a common sense bill that will establish a program for all Wisconsinites. It establishes that ba- basic health care plan Um, But it also creates that option for small businesses, which is what I love to talk about as well, for businesses with less than 50 employees. Because I don't know about you, but I hear about this all the time from small businesses who say, I want to do right by my workers, but I can't afford it. What should I do? That gets to the heart of that. Um, And, you know, this bill creates that state-based online insurance marketplace. So this is like really common sense stuff. Um, that is so incredibly impactful, and um, you know we're just going to keep up the good fight because uh, I think after what we saw yesterday with the you know law forward putting forward their uh, you know moving these proceedings forward to get these maps declared unconstitutional, we're looking at some real opportunity here in Wisconsin, and I'm I'm pumped this morning, Matt. I don't know if that's coming <laughs> through in my voice, but. <laughs>
0: It is. It is. It's why we love you. You actually are passionate about this stuff and connected to this movement. Robert, first follow up.
2: Yeah, I want to commend you uh, for the bill. Uh, For people who don't know, this is without this bill, the Democrats would have no agenda on the general cost of health care for people. It's skyrocketing. It's been hyperinflation for for a very long time. Mm because it's dominated by corporate actors and hospital monopolies, whose major goal is to get as much profit out of the system, extract as much as possible. It's made it unaffordable. We released a report with a national um, partner, Alterum Health, that showed 52% of Wisconsinites last year have avoided care because they didn't think they could afford it. And most of them, the vast majority, were, were insured. The uninsured have it even worse. And this addresses both. So, people can choose who don't have insurance at work, good insurance at work. Badger Care, instead of corporate insurance on the ACA marketplace, they can still choose the corporate insurance. They prefer it with all the claims, denials, and deductibles and copays, but they'll have a better option for, for most people, their choice. And then small businesses will have that choice. And only a third of small businesses even provide coverage because they can't afford it. There's very good research on this. They lose their best employees to bigger employers because they can't provide it. And the other side of the aisle likes to pose as small business defenders, but they don't do anything for small business, really. They just, it's sort of a culture war thing. And this, I don't see how they can say they're against this. once small business understand how much more accessible and affordable insurance will be for them and for their workers. And then it, this goes beyond badger care expansion to say a, a much larger proportion of working people will have uh, public Badger care like insurance. That's the basic health plan. And we'll have control of our health care system to a state exchange rather than leaving it to the federal government, which would allow us to do a lot more with covid if we had had that flexibility. So this is great. And I think Democrats should really push it in the session. And then if they will not support it. Point that out to voters, because this is political dynamite as well.
3: We'll
0: be right back with Representative Shelton. Battleground Wisconsin is supported by the good folks at WEAC Region 2, protecting the rights of education employees and promoting public education in the central Wisconsin area. Learn more at WEAC.org. W-E-A-C dot O-R-G. Welcome back, Representative Shelton. Uh, just want to get your response to what you heard from uh, from Robert.
3: Yeah, no, thank you, Robert, for that. And I want to thank Citizen Action, um, your team, your members, for continuing to double and triple down on health care. It is essential, right? We we talk about this all the time. Healthcare is a human right, and we have to be really honest about the current health care system being built to serve wealthy CEOs, drug companies, and insurance companies. And they are making money. They are making record profits off of people being sick and starving them from their basic dignity and human right of having access to health care. There are too many people falling through the cracks. And, you know, if I could tell you a little story about how I know that it's getting to Republicans, it is this. On the, on the day that we were voting on the budget, Democrats put forward an amendment to the budget that would have expanded Medicaid. And I got up and gave a speech about Medicaid, um, talking about why it's important uh, expanding access to Wisconsinites, how we're only now one of 10 states around the country that has not taken the Medicaid expansion. And Robin Voss got up right after me and was irate, just screaming, you know, she's wrong. The representative to the 90th is wrong. And and just get up and, you know, refute all the things that I said. And I sort of took it as a badge of honor, right? You know, if I'm up here saying these things that are reasonable and true and good, and you've got Voss sort of standing up, um, you know, yelling into the microphone, telling people that you know, this isn't what's good for Wisconsin. That means we're winning. That means we're winning. And it means we can win on this issue. So we got to keep it up.
0: Priscilla.
1: That was amazing. As always, uh, champion representative Christina Shelton on, on healthcare. care. Um, I want to transition and talk about what y'all just did, what you and Representative Hong just did last week. Can you tell us a little bit about uh, your your fun? Maybe that's not the right word. Your time at uh, the ALEC convention. Tell, tell us what went on. What do you want us to know? Oh, Priscilla, so many things. I wish you could come with me. Um. Uh.
3: So Wisconsin has a tradition of sending progressive Democrats to what I like to call the belly of the beast, the ALEC conference. Uh, This year, it was the 50th annual meeting. Um, This started Representative Mark Pocan uh, went, uh, former Representative uh, Chris Taylor, um, who now has gone on to do other amazing things. She has gone. Fran has been going. uh, Representative Neubauer was uh, going before she became minority leader. And then I was invited to start last year. So this was my second conference. I am a member of ALEC. I'm a dues-paying member, uh, even though they are an ultra right-wing conservative think tank they are a nonprofit. And so they have to allow people who pay dues, like me and Fran, into their organization. Um, and I have to tell you that it's my favorite conference. I think that might mean that I have something maybe perhaps wrong with me. Uh, but there is nothing like going into a room where everyone assumes that you are a Republican and talks to you like you're a Republican and shares. They're deep, dark secrets of all the things that they say only amongst themselves. And, um, you know, I don't pretend that I'm anything of, you know, I if people ask me, I tell them I'm a Democrat. Uh, I don't sort of like lead with that, right? Why would you? Um, but I have a right to be there. And our job when we go to this conference is to be in that room, uh, to get as much information as we can within the appro- you know, appropriate uh, standards of, you know, professional conduct and to, report out to our caucus, to our colleagues, to organizations like Citizen Action to say, this is what is coming next. This is what they're doubling down on. This is what they're trying to message on. These are the policies that the ultra right-wing conservative movement is going to test next. I mean, we're talking about, you know, like last year when I was there learning about ESG, which was gonna be the new CRT, right? And so it really helps us to come back and really be able to, to know what's coming so that we can start to plan around our policies, our messaging and our organizing. Uh, but it's wild. It is a wild time down there and it's, it takes some time to process.
0: Well, let me just say, I don't think it means you're crazy. I think it means you're smart because Alec at the heart of Alec and you definitely diagnose this, this is about corporate power. It's largely corporate interests who are behind most of what ails this country, right? We're going to be joined next by a leader from the Teamsters to talk about the lining Kugel strike, right? Talk about corporate power, right? And ALEC is the group that represents a lot of that, pushes all this stuff, and they use a whole lot of other things to sort of make it popular, or shall we say, more populist, But ultimately, these are corporate interests. Uh, So Representative Shelton, first of all, we want to thank you for taking time to talk with us today, but thanking you for being the kind of leader you are. And we look forward to fighting with you uh, for BadgerCare public option.
3: Well, thanks, Matt. And uh, to the Teamsters and all of those striking, we stand with you. Keep up the great work. This is the only way we're going to build economic justice and security for workers across this country and across the state when we stand together. So thanks for having me on today, Matt.
0: Awesome. Thank you, Representative Shelton. And with that, we are really fortunate to welcome our next guest. Uh, and that is Dan Boley. And Dan is the business agent with Teamsters Local 662. And those folks have been on strike for, I believe it's about a month now, uh, against yeah. Lining Kugels. Dan, welcome and, and tell our listeners more about what is going on with Lining Kugels.
4: Yeah, thanks for having me. Well, we're on. We started the strike uh, July 10th, so I think we're on. Uh, just off the top of my head, maybe on day 22, something like that. Um, we did meet with the company on on August 1st, uh, just this week, uh, in in hopes to resolve uh, the strike and get back to work and get an agreement done. Uh, we made a modified offer to the company to try to come closer together. And we were hoping that the company would do the same to get some progress done. We were met with backlash and and the company was not willing to make a modified offer uh, to come closer together to resolve it. Um, Their position was unchanged. Uh, Their proposal that we voted on, which led to the strike was still the same, uh, which was upsetting. So,
0: So, Dan, it's... Really disappointing to hear that that they're not moving, especially after there's been a lot of public support. And I know we had a couple of our organizers and members from Citizen Action just up there over the weekend on the picket line. But Dan, tell our listeners exactly what is at stake? Like what what are they not moving on? What are the key issues? Cause I bet they're gonna resonate with a lot of folks <laughs> in their workplace. But what's what's really at stake in the strike?
4: Well, what I mean, the main issue, you know, comes down to wages uh that's what it came down to um the company during the course of negotiations before the strike um you know was trying to strong arm us and steamroll us and and that's kind of what led to this um it's no secret that molson coors has a pretty anti-union history um if you look back to the 1970s uh, at the big coors plant in colorado there was 1500 workers on strike i want to say for 21 months um even going through just the last couple of years, there was a strike in 2021, strike in 2022. Uh, there's a strike in Vancouver right now with, against Molson Coors, and then one with us as well. Um, you know, with with an inflation, you know, being where it is, and everyone knows that um, rent is getting more expensive, houses are getting more expensive. We we want a fair wage increase to to be able to live. And when you have a, I'm going to pull this up here on my screen, just so I can read it. Um, when you have a company that made $10.7 billion in 2022, uh, there's no reason that they can't give more than a 1% wage increase,
0: especially you know? in this time, this time and, of great inflation.
4: Yeah. And we've had people who have, uh, I believe I just read a comment this morning on a Facebook post that was, uh, some lady that I believe works at in the office at Line and Kugel's posted something and said that why don't these workers, if they want more money, go to college, get an education? Oh. Mm-hmm. You, you shouldn't have to go to college to expect more than a 1% wage increase. We're talking pennies. You know, that's absurd, well, especially it, for a company that has, has been as successful as Molson Coors has been.
0: And the truth is, Dan, in this recent economy, it has been folks on the lower end of this uh, income spectrum that have seen the biggest gains and rightfully yep. so, as long as I've been alive, that, that is, there's been a struggle to raise the wage floor. Hey, what we were at 14 years since the minimum wage has gone up? It sounds like it, get, get me if I'm wrong, this might've been baked in when Miller, when, when Miller was taken over by Molson Coors over the years. Right. So are we talking about really now just a really, broadly speaking anti-union company back because i grew up in the late 70s you didn't drink Coors if you were a union person they were as you said is is that back is that a part of this campaign and tell our listeners before you go like what should folks do if they want to push back and help y'all win this fight because public support is going to be helpful
4: yep so what you know Molson Coors is Big anti-union, you know, and I've said in other interviews that and and some of the brewery workers have said in, in news interviews since we've been on strike that back when the Leinenkugel's owned the & Leinenkugel's brewery, it was a lot different. They felt taken care of. They felt um, cared for and stuff like that. But then when you get big corporations taking over, obviously that changes. Um, so, I mean, really what what we're going to be calling for here and what we started to is is a boycott of Molson Coors products. Um some of their big ones I'll list. Uh, we'll start with Lining Coogles, uh, Coors, Keystone, Blue Moon, Miller, Hams, Foster's, um, Crystal. You know they own 50 different. Uh, I don't know how many beverage companies, but uh, you know Miller and Coors are and Blue Moon are probably the biggest ones. And being in Wisconsin and Minnesota, Lining Kugels is fairly prevalent as well. Um, it I think that needs to come back. Uh, you know, Molson Coors has taken, um, they've grown a lot since the, the issues that Anheuser-Busch has faced with Bud Light. Um, why would Molson Coors want to take the risk of tanking themselves with this issue when they're growing so much with the issues that are going on with Bud Light? It doesn't make sense. Um, but, but again, you know, we're, we're pretty much calling for a boycott of Molson Coors products at this point.
0: All right. Well, folks, you heard it here. Uh, boycott of Molson Coors products we want to thank you Dan I know you got to go I know you did not yep. have a lot of time uh, we really appreciate you coming on uh, any final things It one other thing one final thing we've also encouraged people to donate to the strike fund if you have one because yep. we know that's one of the biggest barriers for folks supporting a strike is their economic vulnerability and an employer plays on that so what could folks do if they wanted to support your strike fund
4: well, you can go on the Teamsters Local 662 website or the Facebook page, and there should be a link or a picture on there that um, mentions where what the strike fund. Um, also, if you know if you live around the Chippewa Falls area, you know anything is helpful to those guys on the picket line. You know, water, donuts, you know, whatever it is, something simple, just to stop in and say hi. You know that they support the workers. You know, all of that is helpful.
0: All right, folks, you heard it here first. We'll put a link to how you can donate directly. But if you're in the area, get up there, support the folks. Uh, Dan, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Solidarity, folks, we got to take a break. You're listening to the Battleground Wisconsin with Citizen Action. Battleground Wisconsin is supported by the good folks at WEAC Region 2, protecting the rights of education employees and promoting public education in the central Wisconsin area. Learn more at WEAC.org, W-E-A-C dot O-R-G. Welcome back to the Battleground, Wisconsin. What can you say? Those were two uh, real important guests, right? someone who is out on the front lines as a local elected official and, and, and people who are on the front lines of the battle for economic freedom, right? The ability, the ability just to, to make a go of it. You heard it 1%. That's appalling. I mean, that's, that's laughable. I didn't. uh, oh, anyways. And we had, we broke news folks. Uh, there sounds like going to be calling for a boycott of Miller, uh, Miller Molson Coors products, folks. That's, that's big news here, Priscilla, any, uh, any response. And then we do have some other topics. I do want to talk about Janet Protasewicz being sworn in.
1: Yeah. um It's, it's so wild to think that, they're fighting for such a small amount uh all of these all of these strikes that are happening all the potential strikes that are happening people think oh they're 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 asking for this massive raise uh and then you look at what these ceos are making like yeah okay they should be getting a raise uh it's also you know when dan was talking about people saying oh they should just go to college and get all these things we have this 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 thing that like, oh, it's unskilled labor. Like no labor is unskilled. Like people deserve to have a living wage and get what they need so they can just live. So yes. <laughs> Priscilla, uh, that it, there. You, Yeah. <laughs>
0: before people started putting tags like skilled and unskilled, it started with labor. If you labor, you need to be compensated. Can we stop putting tags beyond that?
2: So I think uh, obviously- the workers who are organized and we need more organized and need to create change of structure. So they have their democratic rights again to organize and form unions. Um, it they, takes bravery. So it's commendable what the Kugels workers are doing uh, through their, their union local. Um, this is part of a broader conspiracy, half century conspiracy to take more of the resources of the country away from average people and hoard them In uh, among the the ultra-rich and ultra-rich get their money through corporations. So they have plenty of money. They just want to to be holding as big a share as possible. They don't want to set a precedent for other brewery workers in other places and in this giant company. And this is on a par with Republican tax policy because this is who they represent, no matter what they say about cultural issues. The giant tax giveaway, mostly for wealthier people, that Republicans tried to pull off in this in this budget. Uh, Governor, president Biden, being the first president in 50 years to go for more progressive taxation with his billionaires tax and other reforms, we need more from Governor Evers on that, and the the sales tax, progressive sales tax, being imposed upon. Uh, the only large BIPOC majority city in the state, Milwaukee, while also taking away their home rule. These are all part of the same conspiracy, and there's a political part of it, and then there's a a straight-out economic part using their power over workers and trying to intimidate them into working for less than their worth. And if they, quite frankly, uh, the the connection, in fact, John Shelton, uh, the husband of our earlier guest, Christina Shelton, has written a great book called The Education Myth, it's a myth that only the educated uh, should have access to opportunity. It's a myth that getting the education and 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 training even gets you any guarantee of that without dealing with the overall structure of the economy in our democracy.
0: So, before we go, we do have to talk about the fact that Janet Protasewicz was sworn in. Uh, Representative Shelton certainly referenced that, and we mentioned at the beginning of the show. But look, uh, this is this is big because to put a bow bow on what we've been talking about here right what's at the heart of where we need pushback on the supreme court is is the fundamental access to a real democracy but it's a it's a corporate pushback these are the same actors robert said right they want to try to find ways to increase their not only their money and their financial stake they want to get rid of the institutions that democratize our power, whether that be through government or unions, right? And so this all ties together, folks. It all ties together. Will this new Supreme Court, and Priscilla, I want to get your first thoughts on it, we have high aspirations. We expect it to deal with gerrymandering. We expect it to restore the right to have an abortion, the rest, you know, basic freedoms there. But the key question will be, will this be a truly progressive court that goes to the heart of corporate power? Priscilla, your thoughts. First of all, we should celebrate that we're even having this this debate after a court that was anti-democratic. Priscilla.
1: Yes. uh, We're baby steps. Uh, (laughs) I go back and forth uh, on it because it makes me, first of all, very proud of our volunteers, our organizers, all of our staff, uh, everybody around the state, around the country, we had people from a country um, calling with us every single week. Uh, so it shows the power of the people uh, that, you know, we have people, the other side might have money, not that we didn't have money on this, this particular race. Uh, but a lot of work went into this. Uh, and so, it It makes me uh, you know, really hope that the court sees that the people wanted change uh, and that they'll listen to the people uh, that they'll that this new court will do the right thing when it comes to the maps, when it comes to uh, abortion and reproductive rights and everything that comes along with it when it comes to really anything that goes on. On the court, uh, and as we learned, their court can be very confusing at times um so uh i i i have I have hope you know um there are of course things that I you know wish that our court was a little stronger leading on the progressive uh side, but i am choosing to try and remain hopeful during this time that they will see that people. Wanted a change and voted for a change and, and did it.
0: Robert Craig, your thoughts.
2: Quite similar to what we said about the Justice Department and the belated but now serious attempt to get justice on the attempted insurrection and the stealing of democracy. Um, and whether or not, we don't know. Attorney General Call is taking action on that at all or 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 just ducking. Uh, It's a test of our existing institutions, the way they withstand the authoritarian attempts to take it over. So the test of this court, now that we have actual judges that read statutes, they're not just going to legislate as progressives and rewrite the law no matter what, unlike the other side, um, who are not real judges. Will they act in a forceful enough way to overcome what's been done to our Constitution our rights? And that's the test. And they, when they feel that they have to abide by certain norms and act very slowly, they're talking about norms adapted in a different era, where the other side wasn't attempting to squelch out uh, democratic rule and, and most of our constitutional rights. So in this case, obviously, it's not a democracy if you have a guaranteed Republican supermajority in the legislature, if your vote does not matter for the composition of the legislature. Composition's everything because there is no bipartisanship left, it's domination when you say that. And the law for, and I was gonna say, cause I studied academically um, legal rhetoric um, and both the indictment of Donald Trump this week by the special counsel and the law forward case on gerrymandering are excellent pieces of legal discourse that are very clear, highly readable and lay out a very compelling case. So kudos to all the lawyers and the people who support Law Forward uh, for this brief. I was confused by the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel coverage. It makes it made it sound like it would, because it's poorly written, that, and you talk about the death of newspapers, it made it seem like it would only apply to senators who were not up for re-election in 24, and that we'd say with this current maps, that's not what it is. It means Everyone's on the ballot because no one can run these maps constitutionally, makes a compelling case around this being uh, a a discrimination against people based on their political views and their speech, discrimination based on their party, right, i.e., and also simply entirely for partisan advantage. I can't speak as well to the definitions of contiguous or non-contiguous district. But given the quality of the brief, I tend to think law forwards probably has a point there, but we'll see how that fleshes out. And so, but it's very readable. And I encourage everyone to read the actual, uh, actual complaint. And they are calling for the Supreme Court to act in time for this next election. And that is critical. If they will not do that, they are allowing a flagrantly undemocratic uh, system to continue in Wisconsin. And you can't have a democracy in Wisconsin if the legislative branch is not really democratically elected and doesn't have any responsibility back to the people. And the brief makes very good po- points about that. And we've experienced every budget. They don't care how so, unpopular what they're doing is because they've rigged the system so they win anyway.
0: So I think it's pretty clear that this Supreme Court is going to do this in. A quick time, actually. uh, And definitely before the next election. And quite frankly, Robert, I think if just by the way the brief is written, if they win, even if it was after the next election, it would call for immediate special elections. Right. So like it is going to happen, folks. Okay. If this court rules, as I think most folks believe, is that we don't live in a functioning state democracy right now. Uh, One final thing that I'm going to say, and we actually have to go, we're going to be running overtime. It's a great show, um, is that this uh, would not impact congressional maps. Uh, They are accepting those. And the congressional maps were very different, folks. Let's not forget Brian Stiles is in a swing seat. Uh, Van Orden. We didn't even get a chance to talk about his bullying of kids and belligerent behavior that is even getting Republican leaders to speak out. And it's open question whether the man was uh, intoxicated when he did this. Uh, So, folks, we we may have more on that next week. And one final thing I'll say electoral wise is the list of Tammy Baldwin losers who've already decided to take themselves out of an election they have deemed they can't win. Grew Longer this week with Tom Tiffany. Uh, and also, I believe uh, Priscilla did discover on the side, even Rebecca Clayfish has determined she can't win either and is not running. Just in case you didn't want to know, add another one to the list. Thank you, Priscilla Bort. Folks, we got to run. We want to thank Representative Christina Shelton for joining us and for being a leader and a fighter. And if you're inspired by her, you should think about running for office you can do the same thing too you can lead from your heart and your values we'll be talking more about that down the road and of course we want to thank dan for teamsters local 662 and all those striking workers uh at lining kugels folks please support them solidarity and we'll see you next week here at the battleground wisconsin